Good morning, this is Nick Augustine from Texas Law Talk Radio by Lone Star Content Marketing, and I'm here this morning with attorney Richard Hayes from Hayes, Berry, White, and Van Zant in Denton, Texas, and we're talking about HOA and real estate issues today. Let's say good morning to Richard Hayes. Good morning. A lot of people have issues with HOAs and real estate law, and you're a firm that works with people on all those issues. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and experience in Texas real estate law. Thank you. Uh, Haysbury White Ben Zant has 13 attorneys. Um, we do a heavy practice in real estate transactions, uh, eminent domain, land development, and entitlements, including things like zoning and flatting as well as real estate litigation. As to myself, um, I started doing uh, real estate law, really, uh, clerking when I was in law school. And I uh, was licensed in 1979. My practice has been primarily a real estate uh, litigation since that time. And by real estate litigation, it can include an eminent domain, also known as condemnation. For instance, the state's widening a road. Maybe it's an electric transmission line water lines, sewer, airspace, any number of things that uh, a governmental body might need. Then the other things we do uh, include primarily on the front end. Let's say you have a piece of land, you want to uh, subdivide it and go through the planning process and zoning it, obtaining what I call the entitlements. Uh, these could be uh, concessions from a governmental body or the governmental body asking for our concessions. Uh, for you. So I've been doing that for all those years. Um, includes boundary disputes, title issues, uh, easements, just about anything you can think of. So good clients for you, not only are individual homeowners and individual purchasers and investors, but also people in um, more commercial real estate as well. It is. And, uh, you know, in Denton County, we are now a million population. There's a a lot of activity going on. We're widening Interstate 35, 380, 377. Uh, everywhere you look, up in the north part of the county, there's a lot of activity with new subdivisions coming in out of 380 East and then north off of 377 in the Pilot Point area. So we have a lot of people who are coming to us to assist them in dealing with those various governmental bodies that are either trying to acquire easements across their property or uh, who are trying to condemn and take the fee title for roads. It's good stuff. And I remember liking real estate in law school with Black Acre and everything else that happens with Black Acre and Yellow Acre and Red Acre and all that other stuff. But I never thought I'd go into real estate as a, as a practice area. So what inspired you, though, to become a real estate lawyer? How did you establish your firm? Well, I think my interest uh, began in law school. I had a phenomenal professor named Aloysius Leopold. Uh, he was just an inspiring uh, teacher. And as I mentioned, while I was in law school, I, I clerked. Um, in that particular instance, it's for the city of San Antonio in the trial section and specifically in the eminent domain uh, division. And then um, after I graduated from law school, I first clerked for a federal judge. And then I worked in the Bear County, which is San Antonio Bear County District Attorney's Office, honing my trial skills. But the first law firm I went to work for had a very heavy real estate uh, practice, uh, documentation as well as litigation. And it just seemed that it was a niche that fit me and I enjoyed it, so I stuck with it. Over the years then, I became board certified in uh, real estate in two areas, 
in uh, residential real estate and then in commercial real estate. And I've been board certified in both of those areas since 1988. Excellent. So next, could you please share some typical roles and responsibilities of Texas real estate lawyers when assisting clients in different real estate transactions? I think the most important role is what I call preventive law. Most people don't practice preventive law. They uh, sign a contract and then they bring it to the attorney and say, hey, could you look at this for me? Well, that's a little late at that point. So practice preventive law. Let us help you um, go over the terms of the contract so that you understand it and uh, help you draft that contract before you commit yourself to something that uh, you really didn't intend to happen to yourself. So typically reviewing the contract on the front end and then helping you through the through the closing. That would be reviewing uh, deeds and easements, uh, all the closing documents like the closing statements and the other uh, documentation that any lender may require you to sign. There's a lot of stuff, and a lot of moving parts in those transactions, and people can miss things easily. Even the best and the smartest um, really need the experience of a good real estate attorney. Let's shift over to homeowners associations. HOAs sometimes lead to disputes and conflicts. We all know someone who's talked about that. How do you approach resolving HOA conflicts for your clients, and what are some of the common issues you encounter? Well, HOAs are basically miniature governments, and when a development is originally created and the developer will place certain restrictive covenants on the property. We have building restrictions and use restrictions. Normally those are administered or overseen by a homeowners association, including maybe a uh, builder's committee that will actually approve the plans and specifications for your home. What happens as with all governments, if I could editorialize, is sometimes they overreach their authority and that's more personality-driven than rule-driven, or using practical uh, sense-driven. The same thing happens with some cities when you go to uh, plat or zone your property or obtain your uh, building permits. Uh, the personalities sometimes uh, get in the ways. But over the years, HOAs have, um, there have been enough HOAs out there that have gone astray that they're losing power. Uh, the legislature has entered into a number of changes to our HOA laws to uh, make it more transparent and to they're going to exercise some right. That right has to be clearly spelled out. And then the remedy that the HOA undertakes has to uh, take time. So the most recent one we heard about here was in Denton County. And one of our local subdivisions out east decided that they were going to uh, change their rules where if you had any type of um, assistance in the payment of your rent in your home, that that was not going to be allowed uh, in their particular subdivision. Um, that was met with immediate pushback. Uh, they backed off of it, but it was a big enough problem that that's one of the new laws that the legislature passed, that you cannot discriminate against someone, what we call payment discrimination. The source of the money shouldn't matter as long as the money is being paid. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that people love to talk about are some of the changes that were happening with short-term rentals, Airbnb, um, accessory dwelling units, all sorts of other things that are buzzing around there. So people should do their homework and find out because there's a lot of word on the street, especially when a lot of bills are proposed, but then don't make it all the way through. So there's a lot of 
misinformation uh, out there. So people need to really contact a good real estate attorney before they jump on things themselves. And you raise a, a very excellent point there because there were like 8,046 bills introduced. At the end of the day, um, those that went into effect were about 1,070. So that's not very many. And you're right. We have the same challenge as legislators. A bill comes in uh, maybe out of a committee. Uh, it gets amended on the floor. It's sent over to the Senate. They amend it. It's sent back to the House. We amend it. Uh, it's sent to the governor to sign. Maybe he vetoes. And so you're a little fuzzy sometimes on how the law settles. So it takes a couple of months after the session to really be up to speed on all those various pieces of legislation. Amen to that. If those who might not know Richard Hayes is our state representative in the House District for HD 57, which is my district. Um, so it's good stuff. And if you have questions about what the law is, he's a man to ask. All right, our next question. Let's talk about real estate investments because real estate investment can be a really lucrative endeavor, but it comes with its fair share of legal challenges. What are some of the most common legal challenges that real estate investors in Texas face and how do you help them navigate these challenges? I think the first threshold question is, are you in for the purchase for a long-term hold are you looking for something that will have immediate cash flow? So that is, are you buying raw land or you're going to sit and hold 10 years, 20 years, in which case you have to be able to do a cash flow, the demands of that, either the initial purchase or taxes and maintenance. And then by the same token, if it's an income producing property, uh, the capital, uh, same kind of deal. What do you have to bring to the table? What do you have to borrow? And will it um, have a positive cash flow so that you're not having to feed it? every single month. So number one, what is my initial goal? And number two, then preventive law again, go back and look at um, the property thoroughly. So I want to encourage everyone to close through title companies. That discipline uh, forces people uh, to gather certain kinds of documents and certain documents to be provided to you during your due diligence period. It'll be things like uh, the title, a survey, and uh, what all the costs are so that you're not surprised. So it's important, I think, um, in your contract, unless you're really, really up on it, have a due diligence period spelled out in your contract. Give yourself uh, 30, 40, 60, 90 days, whatever, uh, depending on how big your transaction is, to allow you to do your due diligence. Excellent. One of the things that is uh, definitely true here in Denton County is there are people who are sitting on land that they may have grown up on or inherited and is worth a lot of money now. And people are trying to decide what to do as we have new neighbors coming in and new subdivisions and everything else. And these land disputes can be complex and emotionally charged when they happen. Can you share an example of a particularly challenging land dispute in a case that you've handled and the legal strategies you employed to resolve it? Well, normally what happens is... Um some use begins, and everybody's okay with it. And then what happens is one of the property changes hands. So the new owner comes along and says, hey, you're driving on my road, or hey, your fence is encroaching on my property. And uh, even though the fence may have been there 25 years, 50 years. And so the new owner um, many times will uh, not want that um, circumstance to continue and then uh, people start looking at that, and since it's been that way for 25 or 50 years, then the other person doesn't take that very seriously. Uh, they end up getting crosswise, and then again, it's more of a personality issue. 
uh, that should have been or could have been worked out. So I would say that would be an example. So I had a one recently where um, my client was the third owner of a property. Um, there was a drive to his property that continued past. And uh, that's how all the materials were brought into the property to build the home, pre-existing home before my client bought it. And that's how the mailman got there and the trash service and the propane company and everyone else. And the new buyer came along and said, hey, that's my dirt. You don't have the right to use it. So we had to litigate on what easement rights uh, my landowner had in the property. And another example would be a boundary dispute. Um, one guy's fence, maybe it's on the other guy's property, had one down at Flyer Mound. It was 144 square feet is all we were talking about. It. But these neighbors had such disdain for each other, like money was no object. And each side spent over $100,000 fighting over 144 wow. square feet. I mean, there was just no uh, resolving it without it going to trial. Oh, wow. It's, a, you know, the stories we could all tell. Should potential buyers, sellers, and investors know about recent changes or updates in Texas real estate law? And if so, what should they know? Yeah, let me give you a couple of the highlights. Um, one is a change to the seller's disclosure statement. In any residential transaction, there's a document called seller's disclosure. They give you the condition of the property in many respects. One of the new items that was added by the legislature was disclosure of any gas lines that are on the property. And you would think, well, how big an issue could that be? Well, many homes have uh, natural gas lines, but also many of the older homes had the old oil tanks maybe buried in their yard and there were gas lines there. Those are no longer have been used, maybe for the last 50 years, but those are kind of undisclosed. Maybe you know them, uh, maybe you do not. Another is um, under our Texas eviction law, um, JP courts, just of the peace, have had jurisdiction up to twenty thousand uh, dollars, but not in um, evictions. And what award that could be made in an eviction against a tenant? And that has been in any civil case, you could sue for twenty thousand, but if there was a ten thousand dollar limit in uh, evictions, that has been now raised to uh, twenty thousand dollars. I mentioned to you about the um, source payment discrimination that is uh, banned. There is a new requirement for municipal utility districts, commonly known as MUDs, to better disclose what debt they have. So you move into a new subdivision. We have a lot of uh, special districts here in Denton County. Special districts are quasi-governmental bodies that can uh, impose a tax or fees or other assessments on property. And um, in these days, with the property tax burden having become so great, uh, there's much more interest on what am I having to pay to live in my subdivision. So MUDs many times will sell bonds to build roads for water, for sewer, for drainage, maybe even some common area amenities, sometimes even a fire station. And uh, people don't appreciate, they just drive up and it looks like a regular subdivision. They don't appreciate necessarily that there is a separate uh, assessment for the municipal utility district that has had to been disclosed for years, but wasn't what wasn't disclosed was the amount of the debt and how many years it would take to uh, pay off that debt. Mm -hmm. That's a definitely an interesting thing that people should do their homework on. And if someone is considering hiring a real estate attorney in Texas, what advice or tips would you offer them to choose the right attorney? I think everyone has to decide what level, what skill sets do they need. 
you know, do I need the best lawyer? Do I need a good lawyer? Or it really probably doesn't matter, lawyer, uh, on this particular issue. So it depends on the complexity of your uh, undertaking. I mentioned before that I'm board certified in uh, two areas of real estate. So is my law partner, Don White. And uh, so if you're looking for an expert when you're board certified by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization, you can uh, hold yourself out to be an expert. But if you're not board certified, then you cannot do that. Only about um, 7% of all lawyers in the state of Texas are board certified. But if you took the number that were board certified just in uh, real estate, it's under 1% of the lawyers. So it's a pretty small uh, number that do that. Another uh, source might be we have a thing called Texas Super Lawyers uh, that also rates, uh, it includes only about the top 5% of all the lawyers in the state. And there are um, super lawyer designations for uh, real estate, transactional real estate litigation and uh, eminent domain. So. One of the uh, recognitions I've received is being a super lawyer in eminent domain. There's less than 20 of us uh, in the state of Texas. So going back to the level of sophistication of your problem, then uh, the more severe the problem, the larger the dollars in dispute, the more you need an expert or someone that specializes in that particular area. All right. What are some of the most rewarding aspects, Richard, of practicing real estate law in Texas? And what advice would you give aspiring lawyers interested in this field? Well, the nice thing about real estate law, it's been around for a long time. So when we sometimes have real estate disputes and we're doing legal research, we'll have cases from the 1800s or 1901. I mean, the law has been around for quite some time. Now, as you've heard, we've already seen there are a number of uh, the legislatures passed a number of new laws that happens every two years when the legislature meets so keeping up with those uh, is challenging sometimes we used to not even have um, a section in the property code on homeowners association not only do we have a number of sections now or chapters on homeowners association one can get become board certified in HOA, in HOA. wow yeah. so it's gotten that specialized in that particular area and uh, so in looking at uh, that, um, I just think it's uh, fun to learn the old law, uh, understand how that, those same principles have been applied year after year after year. And then with all areas of law, the personalities of your clients, you meet a lot of great people. You learn a lot of interesting things uh, about uh, uh, property. And, uh, you know, I ruined more than one pair of shoes out tromping around through someone's uh, pastures and uh, stepping into the septic tank or whatever it may be <laughs> to see what the issue was. And I've just really enjoyed it. And it's uh, a, you know, some areas of law are very emotional, like family law or child protective service law. I real estate it's a little calmer, uh, but it can still be very, uh, intense depending upon the personalities of the parties. There you go. All right, Richard, can you share a success story or memorable experience from your career that highlights your positive impact on a client's real estate situation? Well, there's a, a number uh, that come to mind, and since I do do a lot of eminent domain, I'll give you an example there. I had a client, this was on 121, it was being widened uh, as what you see today. Um, 
and it used to just be a two-lane road, and then it went to four, and now it's a super highway being a toll road, and they call it the same Sam Rayburn uh, toll road. I had a uh, client who had bought uh, about seven parcels of land along there, and had uh, slowly put them together and amassed a large track about 422 acres. When the state came through there, they wanted to uh, widen the road and needed 37 acres. That's a pretty large take. It was the largest take along that particular uh, route. Uh, the state thought that that was worth about uh, about uh, $4 million for the 37 acres. Our experts said it was worth about $24 million. And uh, we, when we went to the special commissioner hearing, uh, we were awarded like $22 million. And uh, the state was so taken back because that went in the budget. They are be off a little bit, but not five times for those kind of dollars. Uh, they kind of put the project on hold for a while. There was a lot of negotiations and work to both sides' advantage. Instead of taking um, as many acres as they were going to initially take, uh, which was 37, they got it down to 22. And that reduced the total compensation, but interestingly, uh, they ended up paying uh, more per square foot for the smaller take than they were doing you know, for the larger take. But that was uh, ultimately resolved through um, negotiation. Wow, that's a lot to deal with, especially when you've got so much growth and things like that are still happening and happening and will continue happening. So keep your eyes on that. So my next question, what emerging trends or future challenges may the Texas real estate industry and real estate lawyers face in the next coming years? I think an increasing recognition of how important disclosure is. That's why some of the laws we talked about today are increasing transparency and disclosure. And then uh, due diligence, how very important that is to really know what you're getting into. Um, another area, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, on Tuesday, the first Tuesday every month, one can foreclose on a piece of property. And there are some people, they listen to the radio and go down to the courthouse the first Tuesday and bid on a piece of property and get you that. And uh, even on a foreclosure sale, you want to do substantial due diligence before you're bidding on the property. So I've had clients over the years that have bought a great piece of property for a song, normally the amount of the taxes. And I've had other times where they uh, paid what they thought was going to be a song, uh, but it turned into a nightmare because they didn't do their due diligence. Because you're buying it in the same condition that the previous owner had it. So if there were title issues uh, before, there are normally going to be continue to be title issues afterwards. Mm -hmm. It is an interesting story. I remember growing up when my uncle was the only judge in a small rural county, and when they would have things that would go on auction, he would end up buying all this hunting land and things because no one would show up or they didn't bid enough. And it's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I mean, he got a lot of land on the cheap, but... Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, to wrap up for my finals question, uh, what are the best ways for our listeners to contact you or your firm if they have further questions or need legal assistance with their real estate matters? Well, our firm is Hayes, Barry, White, and Van Zant. We have offices in uh, Denton, in Gainesville, in Frisco, and in Flyermound. We have uh, a great website, which is the initials of our law firm, HBW. B, as in Van Zandt, law.com. So if you'll go on the internet and you can type in either Richard Hayes or Don White or Hayesbury, White, and Van Zandt, or if you can remember the HBWB, law.com. You can learn about each of the attorneys here in the firm. 
and our practice areas. Of course, it gives you our phone number. Our main number is 940-387-3518. 940-387-3518. And we'd be happy to uh, meet you and talk to you about your problem. All right. Well, thank you so much, Richard Hayes, for being our featured sponsor on this episode of Texas Law Talk Radio, brought to you by Lone Star Content Marketing, located here in Denton, Texas, and serving the entire state of Texas for 20 years of experience of the best law firm marketing you'll find. Contact us at LoneStarContentMarketing.com. Thank you all for listening to our program. And if you do find this on your social media, please be so kind and share it with others because you never know who needs exactly these types of uh, these type of help with different issues like HOA um, and owning land that a freeway or development's coming into. So call Richard Hayes at Hayes, Barry White, and Van Zant. They can help you all over the state of Texas. That's all for today. Thank you all. 